You're listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Church Pullman, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. So this morning we are continuing in this storm series, and the storm that we're going to tackle today is relationship crisis, and if you are married, then you have experienced this. If you have ever dated someone, you have experienced this. If you have parents, you've watched them experience this, right? Like this is one of those that applies to everybody in the room in some way, shape, or form. And so I just want to encourage you to just really tune in, lean in, and listen. We've got Kermit and Jolene coming out to share today. And um, to say that they're experts at this, uh, they're a lot more humble than that. They wouldn't say that they're experts, but... Their track record proves that they not only have been through this storm, but have learned how to navigate through it successfully, and since then have been blessed with the opportunity to help a lot of other people navigate through this storm. And so we're going to hear a little bit of their story and uh, get some encouragement. So if you are really struggling right now, if right now you're like doing the elbow to your spouse or mentally in your head doing the elbow to your spouse that this is the one you need to hear, then uh, just lean in and both of you guys uh, listen. So thanks for everybody for uh, joining us today. And those of you that are joining us online, thanks for tuning in. I'm going to hand it off to the experts. Thank you, Thad. And real life, thank you for having us here. I, I don't think we've ever been introduced as ringers before. <laughs> uh, we are really glad to be here and especially thankful that we have a story that God has turned around and turned into a good story. So we're here to share our particular uh, relationship crisis, and it involves our marriage. But before we do that, I have a little story I want to share with you, and it came from Anne Graham Lotz in her devotional uh, several days ago, and it's about turkeys and eagles and um, the difference between them when they face a storm. And the turkey runs for cover, runs for the coop, runs to hide under the barn as, so that the storm doesn't get near him. The eagle, on the other hand, leaves the security of its nest and spreads its wide, beautiful wings and begins to soar on the air currents, taking it higher and farther than ever would have been possible without the winds of the storm. So the question to ask yourself today is, are you a turkey or an eagle? (laughs) Are you a turkey where you run and hide from the storm and you try to avoid it? Or are you an eagle where um, you allow God to remove all those things in which you've placed your security and um, spread those wings and let him take you higher and farther than you ever thought was possible. So before we begin, let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for you. We are so thankful for your goodness, Lord, and we just throw ourselves on that goodness this morning. Um, Pray that there would be open ears to hear and open hearts to obey as you lay that on people's hearts. Um, Pray that you would calm any anxiety that Kermit or I might feel and that we would just speak your words as we testify to your goodness. In Jesus' name. So there are many types of relationship storms. There are uh, broken friendships, family connections, marriages, and even our relationship with God can be broken or strained. And a couple in the Bible we think of are Cain and Abel and Jacob and Esau. 
Um, and then another example is from the book of Acts, and it's about um, John Mark, or Mark, and Paul and Barnabas, who went on a missionary journey, and somewhere during that journey, Mark left them. And so when they come to the point where they're going on another journey, Barnabas wants to take Mark. And Paul says, no, he wasn't faithful. He left us in the middle of the last one, and we couldn't count on him. So no. And so Barnabas and Paul, or Barnabas and Mark, separate and sail for Cyprus, and Paul goes on his way. But the interesting thing about this is that at the end of Paul's life in 2 Timothy, he makes this comment. He says, pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service, which indicates that at some point, restoration had occurred. You know, I love the story about Joseph. I come from a large family. I had four older brothers. So I kind of get this uh, story about Joseph. And um, just to help you with your memory of it, Joseph uh, interpreted dreams. And one of them was that he was going to be head over his brothers. Well, I know what would have happened to me if I'd have gone to my brothers and said, hey, you guys are going to serve me the rest of my life. Uh, it wouldn't have been probably real good. Fortunately, I had really good brothers, and I didn't have that dream either. So, uh, anyway, so it starts eating on the on the brothers, and they finally decide, well, we're going to do something with him. We're going to get rid of him. So their original plan was to kill him, which is pretty drastic. Uh, but they said, no, let's just take him. One of the brothers said, let's just take him. We'll throw him in a well until we decide what to do with him. Well, a caravan came by, picked him up, and they sold him, sent him off to Egypt. Uh, the brothers then went back and told another lie to their father that he had been killed. And so as this is all going on, the, Joseph is in Egypt and he's still interpreting dreams and he did for the Pharaoh. And one of the dreams was that he would have seven years of feast and seven years of famine. So the, the Pharaoh was so impressed with him that he made him second in command and, and, and tr- uh, in control of all the crops and the grains in, the, in all of Egypt. Well, the... the the famine did come, and Joseph's family was without food, and they, they came to Egypt. And long story short, Joseph had a really good opportunity right here to really, as brothers would, get, get even. But he chose not to. He chose to bring his family in, bless them in an incredible way, love on them, and restore them back to a family. <clears throat> So we see that conflict is really unavoidable, but that reconciliation is always the goal. In Romans 12:18, Paul tells us that if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Of the three parts in a relationship storm, my part, their part, and God's part, the only one over which I have any control is my part. I can't do his, although I like to tell him how it should happen, and I certainly like to meddle in God's business. But in reality, the only one I can control is my part. Um, The first phrase of that scripture says, if it is possible, which indicates that sometimes it's not possible, and um, only God can tell us the difference there. And then it says, insofar as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So it tells us that I have my part, and it is not to point fingers at everyone else. It's to dig down deep within myself and let God do what he wants to do in my heart. 
So John 16:33 says, "These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you will have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good courage. I have overcome the world." So this is the story of how we moved from the tribulation part of that verse to the overcoming part of that verse. And our story of broken relationship is about our marriage. And so to share that story, we have a video that was recorded seven years ago where we briefly describe what happened and how we began the process of reconciliation. We've been a part of real life on the Palouse for approximately four years. Our story really begins uh, at a place where I was kind of struggling. Um, Julie and I, I wasn't working between us, and a lot of it was because of my workload and things that I was doing. And uh, you know, I became involved in an affair. We got to the place basically where Julie and I were not connecting at all, and there was plans to move on with someone else. At the time, we were living in La Crosse, and. We had friends who attended real life, and on a Sunday, Kermit was out of town, so I decided to come up. And I did, and was very impressed that someone called me that next week to ask me how I was doing, and if there was anything that they could do for me. So over the course of the next few months, we attended real life on a semi-sporadic basis, and then in October of that year, we were to attend Love and Respect class. And on our way home from church that Sunday, Kermit said, I'm not coming back tonight. I don't want to go. And I just asked him, why? What? What's up? And um, he said, well, I just don't think I love you anymore. So we talked about that. And I called the church offices because I knew there was counseling there. And I got in touch with Charlie, who does the marriage and family <clears throat> counseling, and we set up an appointment with him. We started out together uh, meeting with Charlie, and there was a point where I just said, hold it, I've got to talk to you alone. And he said, fine, and Jolene said, fine. So then I started coming in and meeting, meeting with him in the morning, and that's when I told him what was going on. I told him the whole, everything that was happening. At that time, he told me, he said, you know, I usually expect people to quit. And that's when I asked him, I basically broke down in front of him, and I said, please don't let me go. And from that point on, he kept telling me that God had something for us. And I kept doubting it because all I could see was the bad and the damage that I'd done and um, where I still was mentally in a lot of ways. And, and, uh, but we stuck with it. And Charlie's not only a counselor for me, he's one of my best friends. We often look back and think, we didn't choose that, we wouldn't choose that walk, we wouldn't choose to go through that again, but would we go back to where we were before? No, we wouldn't. And that's one of the things that real life has blessed us with, is that understanding that God has a good story, and that it's bigger and better than anything that we can imagine. We're really excited about the future. You know, we're not looking back any longer. Real life has put us in a situation where we can use our story to help uh, God's story and uh, sharing it with other, other couples to give them hope. And we have a marriage care group where um, we're seeing the rewards of that. Um, so it, it comes in and then it goes out. We've really been beneficiaries of the generosity of the church and its mission 
of restoring and reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. In this case, two people at a time. <laughs> so, they looked like really nice people. Who were they? Uh, I think it was us, really, honestly. Well, you know, I think you might be right, but you had glasses and more hair, and I was a redhead, so what's up with yeah. that? <laughs> we, you know, we say that in jest, like, who were those people? But there's an element of truth to it, because we are different people, and God has given us a different story to tell. He's stretched our story and um, reworked it so that um, we have a good story, and that's what we want to share with you today. You know, the, the question comes up, and, and just as well share it right away, is why do we do this? You know, the normal is to take a, a story that's not real pretty, part of our past, and shove it out of the way, rebuild, and move on. And that really is the easy way to go, because um, this is not exactly fun sometimes to do this. And, but it came to me really early. Um, Jolene had been gone to Alaska to visit her sister, and Marty Solomon called me, and he was doing a uh, series on grace. And he asked me if I would come in and share, share our story so that he could talk about grace, the people that had surrounded me. So I did that, and um, I was really glad when it was over. <laughs> I remember going through it. I felt very safe with Marty. Um, I know that when it was over, I went and just sat down in the front row, and I was just going to hang out there real until church was out, and I wasn't going to look, and I was going to wait till the service was over, and then I was going to get out of Dodge. And um, uh, so I did that, and I waited and waited, and then right at the end, after I felt like it was safe, I got up, and here was this couple standing right in front of me, <clears throat> and uh, two little kids. And the, the, the lady looked at me, and she says, we need your help. Can you come? Can you help us? And at that time, I told her, I said, we will be here for you. Our door is always open. And so we started meeting with that little couple, and we met with them weekly for about two years. And it wasn't all bad. It was just a lot of really good story. Um, but they became our really, really good friends. And that's what happens when you get along with somebody in a, in a relationship. You become really close friends. And they have since moved on, but their marriage and their families together they're serving God, they're, they're working with other marriages. That's why you do this. <clears throat> so it really is not our story. It's God's story. And we d- are committed <clears throat> to letting him use it however he wants to. And um, we, our particular relationship story happened in 2011 and involved our marriage. And it just basically blew our world apart. And um, we sometimes wonder, should we have seen the storm coming? Maybe. And in some degree, maybe we did. You know, I don't know, honestly, that I saw it coming. I didn't see the storm coming. I knew, I, I was raised in a family that marriages just went on forever. You know, whatever they looked like, <laughs> I just thought that was the norm, you know, that there would be kind of dysfunction. And, but you just did it, you know. And so I really didn't see it. But as I look back... I can share with you what some of the things were that did create uh, problems. And I loved working. I loved, I was a school teacher. I coached. I did anything extra that I could to hang out with kids. Um, just loved that time. And so I just 
piled in lots of work at school just because I loved it, really. And in the summertime, I loved hanging out with the farmers, a totally different group of people. So I ran grain elevators all, all summer and bonded with them. Well, I, as I look back, that's where my relationships were built into. They weren't built at home. Jolene and I were both very busy working. We had kids. We just became what we call parallel. And so um, all my relationships were being built outside of the home. The other thing that I noticed as I look back is my spiritual life really dropped off really fast because I was so busy. I didn't have time. I didn't have time to do the really important things. And the stuff I was doing was fun. It was important. It was good. But without God in your, in your story, it can, get off, it can get out of whack really fast. Um, I did have a couple things that hurt me, uh, I think, emotionally in my uh, career um, that I ran from, I hid from, just said, you know, this is okay. I'm, I'll be all right. I'm man up, and I'll get through it. And what you do when you do that is you look for a safe place to land. And so that I sought out in other relationships. Um, I want to share with you a reading that I got from Chaco de Jesus, and it's from his book, Stay the Course. It says, our natural tendency is to break away from God and to drift away to pursue our own pleasures. A student's mind drifts from the teacher's lecture. A spouse's heart drifts Drifts from, his, from during, drifts from his relationship during times of boredom and tension. A driver drifts into the next lane when daydreaming. A believer's heart drifts when he assumes God is no longer on the throne. Well, you know, that is so true. And I, I want to just share with you that when you're in the middle of a really serious storm, you can't make good decisions. You can't, you don't know where you're at. Everything's so out of whack that you really can't make good decisions. And so that's why you need to have other people around you. And so the big lie that was told me early is I couldn't trust my friends that really wanted to help me, and I totally underestimated the God who's in the God of restoration. And so for me, I had issues from my childhood that affected me, and I probably didn't even look at them until my middle 30s. But things that happened to me as a little girl that created a lot of fear and shame for me. And um, I told myself lies, and I put up walls to keep people out to keep from being hurt. Well, unfortunately, that also meant Kermit. There were areas where... um, I didn't let him in, in those, those dark corners where I didn't even let God in. So um, my family was pretty dysfunctional on um, many levels. And after a family visit, I would come home and just withdraw for a long period of time while I tried to get back some kind of balance in my life and um, figure out how to get through those walls a little bit and reach out again. Um, We didn't have great communication skills, and I couldn't communicate to Kermit the depths of my pain, and we didn't even know about communication skills. Nobody talked about that stuff, and we hadn't seen that modeled in our own families, and so we really didn't know about that, didn't know what a great relationship should even look like, so we just kind of drifted apart, knowing that something was wrong, but not being able to identify it or put a name on it, and just being too busy to take the time to figure it out and to maybe get um, some help to work on it. So in January of 2011, it may have seemed like a sudden storm 
to people from the outside looking in. But it had been building for years, and it's like the hurricane that starts on the coast as a Category 1 and moves out to sea and starts picking up wind and water. And by the time it comes back to land, it's a Category 5, and it dumps the whole thing and um, leaves quite a bit of devastation. So um, when our storm broke, I left home, and I can remember that day well. Kermit came home while I was packing my things out to the car, and I had left him a card on the table in which I told him how much I loved him and that um, please forgive me for not conveying that to you in ways that you needed to know. Um, And also, before I left, we hugged each other, and both of us crying and saying, how did we get here? How did this happen to us? Something we could have never imagined. But at that point, our path was set, and so I left and came to Pullman and lived with friends for a while while I was looking for a place to live and driving down Grand, sometimes just sobbing, because I couldn't find a place. All I saw were college apartments, and I was way past the time of living in college housing. So anyway, I I would just cry out, God, where's my place? Is there no place for me? And it was like being in a raging storm in a rowboat with no oars, no life jacket, no lighthouse to point me in the right direction. And I basically threw myself on God. I could really visualize myself, run, 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 and just plastering myself to him, kind of like Velcro, stick, you know. And so... um, I really believed that God would somehow work this out, but I really had no idea. I couldn't even come up with a plan of how he should do it. And I also didn't believe that Kermit didn't love me anymore, although all the evidence was certainly to the contrary. So at this time, my life verses came from Psalm 51, and there are verses 10 through 12. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with your free spirit. So, you know, I couldn't change our situation. I was pretty helpless in that regard. And it did absolutely no good to point fingers and blame other people. And so I really began to focus on myself. And even though I wasn't the one who stepped away from our marriage... I began to look back and assess my part in our relationship and ask God to create in me a clean heart. Do your part in my heart, Lord, and then please restore joy because I so desperately needed it at that time. You know, one of the things Jolene forgets to share and I keep bringing up for her that when she left, the first thing she did was go to Seattle to visit our son and his family. Back, uh, and this was early March in some pretty severe storms, um, back to Spokane to visit our other son and his family, and back to Clarkston to visit our daughter and her family. And her, her message was simply, we're not going to allow this, no matter what it turns out to look like, we're not going to allow this to destroy our family. And she didn't know that we'd ever, whatever it would look like, but that was her message of restoration from the very beginning. I was in a completely different spot. I was in, a, just a, I was in the middle of a storm. I was in like a dust storm where you can't see anything. I... I, I left, left our home in La Crosse, eventually just resigned uh, the position that I truly loved, and moved in with my sister. 
And for a period of time, I was just, you know, I didn't know anything. I had really no contact. You know, I'm doing a lot of walking. Um, it finally got to the place where uh, I needed, a, I was encouraged to go see a doctor. So I went and saw my doctor, and he told me that he needed to put me on some medication uh, to sleep. And then the other one was for anxiety. And he said, if you don't, he said, you're going to have a nervous breakdown. And I told him, I said, I am not going on meds. I said, if God, whatever God wants to do with me, he can do it. I'm just going to allow that to happen. So I left, not knowing for sure what to do. Um, it just came to me. I said, I'm just going to call Jolene. So I called her, and she was in Pullman. And I asked her if we could just meet for lunch at uh, Arby's. <laughs> Why not? You know? <laughs> So we met at Arby's, and we talked, uh, kind of, or each one of us, what's going on. And um, we talked about all the stuff we'd been through. You know, we'd been married for many, many years, and we'd gone through a lot of stuff, not personally in our marriage, but all the stuff outside, careers, family, a lot of stuff we went through. And um, my message to her was, if we, I think we can work our way through this. So she said, well, I do have one place we could possibly go. And it's not student housing. It's even a little bit better than that. It's <laughs> Cougarland Hotel. So we moved into Cougarland Hotel, um, connect rooms next door to each other. Um, and that's where I finally determined that if I'm going to make this thing right, I have got to get myself right with God. And that was a scary, that was a scary thing because I knew it was going to be a journey. It wasn't, a lot of stuff was going to get flushed out. We were going to go through a lot of anger. A lot of stuff, and we did everything. And so that was the journey that I was on. I was fortunate to have some three really good people along with me as I started on this journey. First of all, my wife, who, her grace was incredible. Uh, she had been stripped and beaten to a place where there really wasn't much left other than God. I had my uh, really good friend, Charlie Couch. <clears throat> it's hard for me to watch that because we were so close and have him gone. But still stay in contact with him. And then my mentor, a good friend and mentor, Tom Mays. And that's the people that walked through me on a continuous basis. Um, I met with Charlie three, four times a day. They even joked over at Real Life Offices that they were going to put an office in for me because I was over there so much. <laughs> and uh, so we spent tons of time not just counseling, but just hanging out and doing things together. We'd even get together and just sing some Elvis songs you know, and just laugh and have a good time. And then Tom would take me to work. We'd spend time together. None of them scolded me, disapproved of me. All they did was love me and direct me in the, in the, as a good mentor should, showing me what a good man should look like. We began doing um, home groups, marriage groups, me and three groups. Uh, anything that we could get our hands on, uh, we did. We eventually did do that love and respect conference. We did get to that in Coeur d'Alene. And then Jolene scheduled us for a Love Like You Mean It cruise. Uh, which was just awesome. We have a verse from Psalm 34, 18 and 19, that's really encouragement if you're ever in a storm. And as I'm learning in my path group that God's Word is not just ink on a page. It's living, it's active, and it's here for us today. It's not just a regular book. And so these words are real. And it says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. We have experienced his deliverance from brokenheartedness and crushed spirits. 
and our ongoing prayers that God continues to use our story in his ministry of reconciliation. <clears throat> so we've kind of given you the cliff notes and the Reader's Digest condensed version of our storm. There's a lot more we could tell you. It could make it really ugly if that was our focus, but that's not our focus. Our focus is on the goodness of God. And um, we often do share more of our story when we're mentoring couples because sometimes they need to know that we've walked many of the places they've walked and that there is hope. And we want to give them that hope that they too can make it through the storm. So was it a straight shot through the storm and on to restoration? And no, it wasn't. As Kermit said, there were a lot of jigs and jogs and dog legs in our journey. And actually, there were some setbacks that could have derailed us had we not had community to walk with us and had we not been committed to staying the course. It took a lot of work on both of our parts, and we were willing to do that hard work because uh, the alternative just was so devastating. So when you walk through a storm, you will be different on the other side. Things will look different because you are different. And that's why we're able to say, would we have chosen this? Nobody would choose this. So, um, But would we go back to where we were in our relationship or... Our relationship with God, where we were spiritually before the storm, no, we wouldn't. You know, we use the we use the words that you heard us say several times: "good friends." When you journey with somebody and you walk through the mud, which I say deep, needy mud, with them, and you stick with it, no matter what, no matter what the cost, financially, money, whatever, when you come out on the other side, you have a bond that's just incredible. And I would encourage you. Uh, people of real life to not be afraid, not be afraid to get involved because, like I say, we have developed some just incredible relationships by walking with people in these in these uh, these stories. You know, this whole thing is kind of like owning a home, which we don't anymore. We have an apartment, so we have to maintain anything. But in a, if you guys that own homes, you know, it's a constant maintenance you have to go through to, to uh, take care of your homes. The same thing is true with marriages. The same thing is true with any relationships we have in our jobs, people we work with, friends, family. It's true. You have to keep cultivating and maintaining them. So what have we done? We have an open communication. We, we talk. We share. We ask each other hard questions. We, ask, we, we go into places where we wouldn't have gone to before. We're, we're committed to our me and three groups. My path group that I'm involved with with men has been with me for almost eight years encouraged me in my Bible reading and in my prayer life, keeping me on track. Our marriage groups are not just about our mar- the couples that come and visit us. They're for us also to renew and repolish. You're never done fi- fixing your relationships. Church attendance is requirement at our house. We, we feel like a major sin if we don't make it. <laughs> it it's just part of our, of our daily routine. Um, and our mentors. I'll never forget my mentors. I do the best I can to stay uh, in touch with my good friend Charlie, who's in Pablo now. Um, Tom and I get together almost once a week and discuss and where we're at and encourage each other. It's just it's just been uh, critical to stay connected with God to keep these things going. 
So one of the real blessings that has come out of our relationship storm has been that we are able to be involved in the ministry of mentoring other marriages. And we've seen the fruit from those relationships as we've done this over the years. And I think of one particular couple who came to our house the first time, and they sat opposite each other, and there were words, lots of words. And the tension was really thick. And so as we wound down for the night and walked them out the door and came back in, and I closed the door... And I looked at Kermit and I said, I don't think they're coming back ever. (laughs) But they actually did. And um, it was a two-year journey. But they actually are now to a place where they're mentoring other couples. And so that's just a blessing to us to think that God would take our story, our mess, if you will, and use it to make a difference in other people's lives. And this is what I found. I shared my verses in Psalms with you earlier, but one day I was reading the whole chapter. Amazing. Don't just take a piece out. Read the whole thing. So I, I read the first nine verses, and it's David falling on his face, confessing and repenting before God after Nathan had confronted him about his sin with Bathsheba and Uriah. And so as he's confessing and repenting, then in verse 10 through 12, he's asking for restoration. Please restore me. Give me back my joy. And then verse 13 just jumped out like popcorn out of the popper to me. And it says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. And I, it was an aha moment that this is the purpose of our storm. We can find the good in this because... Um, now, as we have developed that vertical relationship with God, he has opened doors horizontally that we might teach or share with others and that we might show them God's ways. And so um, we are blessed as they are blessed, and we just can say amen. Isn't she just the cutest thing, you know? <laughs> I don't, you know, why go through the storm? You know, so we're talking about marriage relationship here, but there's a lot of other ones here, but other other things going on. But this is about marriage. So what going through this storm, what were the benefits on the other side? And, and doggone it, God, there was times I looked at him, let's just do this quicker. You know, being a man, let's just do it now and be done with it. It takes years, you know, to restore all the damage because a lot of innocent people were hurt. A lot of family members were hurt. A lot of things happened. But what's the benefits? You know, once you once you go through the storm, well, Jolene and I this year celebrated our fifty first wedding anniversary, and uh, you know it's pretty pretty cool. You know, and honestly, can say, you know, she's my best friend. That, I'll, that when when I'm in trouble, she's who I'm going to run to. Um, we've had the opportunity to. We have three older uh, our children married. We get together. We get to watch their families grow. We have been blessed with four of the most beautiful grandsons in the world that love trains just like grandpa does. And so we've been able to do that together. Uh, On a personal note, um, I shared with you earlier about my passion for being in the school districts. Pullman School District and Colton School District have offered me, I'm back in the school district substituting, working, um, doing what I love. And that was restored back. There's so much in the restoration process that God put back piece by piece by piece. So what have we learned from the storm? First of all, no one's immune from the storms of life. We need to have things in place 
before the storms hit us. Number two, we need each other to weather the storms. It's critical to have people with you before you even get there. Trust them. Number three is don't fight the storm. Don't be the turkey and run and hide, but stay really close to the one who knows the way through the storm. Because Jesus overcame, we can too. James 4, 7, and 8 is is a promise that God has given to us. Therefore, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and flee from him. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And the last one is one that is just so important to me, and it's that people are not expendable. They're not throwaway. We don't toss people out because they haven't met our expectations or because they've committed what we think is the unpardonable sin, that we leave that up to God. And we don't toss them out because they haven't met society's norms or rules or whatever. People are just not throwaway, and we know that relationships and people are Mm -hmm. worth fighting for. So now as we prepare for communion, as we do every week, I'd like to share some questions that you might personally consider. Number one, Jesus tells us that we will have storms in our lives. Can you identify your storms, whether it's with friends, your past, family, marriage, finances? This year we have COVID, we have masks, we have Facebook, we have the, we have the pandemic, so many new things that have driven and divided people up. Number two, do you have tools to help you get through these storms? If not, do you know how and where to get them? And I just want to encourage you, being part of real life, the answer is here. They have, we have groups in place. If they don't have that, I'm putting a lot of pressure on Chad here, but on Thad, is if they will find something for you. They will provide for you. Uh, that, and then uh, number three, do you have relationships to help you through your storms? And number four, do you trust Jesus when he says, do not be dismayed, for I have overcome the world? And number five, do you see a storm coming? Or, or are you in the middle of a storm? Don't wait to get help. So don't be discouraged when trials and temptations and even what may seem like disasters come your way. They may have been sent to destroy you, but God is greater than the storm and he will rescue us and deliver us by his right hand and by his great name. So here at Real Life, we're a church that takes communion every week. If you're new here or a visitor here today and you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we invite you to share communion with us. So if you just open up your little cups and hold the elements, we'll take them all together. So on the night in which he was betrayed, while they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this this is my body, let's take the bread in remembrance of him. And when he had taken the cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood, which is shed for you. Let's take the cup together. Could you stand with me in prayer? Father God, we just come before you today um, thanking you that you're a God of grace, a God of love, a God of restoration. I thank you that you woo us, you chase us, you pursue us constantly. 
and you put people in our paths to help us as we walk and journey on this life that you have given for us. So, Lord, as we go our way today, Lord, help us to recognize that you are there and you never, ever leave us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us at rlcpullman.com and by connecting with us on Facebook. Until next time, have a great week.